0: Hi, I'm Beck, And I'm Sam. And welcome to the Long Run Podcast. We will be your hosts and coaches. The whole idea of the Long Run is that this is your opportunity to switch off. Tune into your body, to your mind, and listen to us as we share some exciting tales of adventure and trails with some incredibly inspiring trailblazing women. So let's get moving. This is your Long Run Podcast. Today, I'm so, so excited that you get to have in your ears one half of the Jonesies, but my darling, dear friend, Lauren, and I do want to do a very quick introduction to, I guess, how I originally know you, and this makes it sound a bit strange because this is like part of who you are, and this conversation is really going to be talking about who you are, not the part of who you are. But I am going to say this because I think it's quite interesting for people to know a bit of contextualization about you. And so Lauren and her husband, Justin Jones, also known as Jonesy, are modern day adventurers. They believe you shouldn't have to choose between having a family life and having a adventurous life. Amen. They want to challenge the traditional conventions of what it means to settle down and prove that being a grown-up can still be fun. The Jonesies value experiences over possessions. They have a love for travel, adventure, and enjoy getting outside. They actually have two children, so this actually, your bio that I'm looking at right now is outdated, but that's okay. I can work on that with you later on. (laughs) (laughs) And the quote that you reference, to live... Is the rarest thing in the world. Most people exist. That is all. Oscar Wilde.
1: Welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks, Sam. It's so good to be here and so good to be a part of everyone's long runs. I I feared them and loved them at the same time. Last on my journey with her trails, so I'm excited to be here.
0: It's so nice to have you on this podcast. Having the fact that you've done the twelve week twenty one point one kilometer program, so you very much know what it was like to be in the shoes of the people who were listening to this podcast whilst they're actually doing their long run. Uh, And I, I think it's important to note, everyone, this is the beginning of your run, your run for you on the weekend if you've Chosen to do it on the Saturday as we've programmed it. And I just want to remind you to ease into the first couple of minutes of it. Remember, shake it off, um, drop your shoulders, take in those deep breaths, and just slowly build into a pace that's going to feel comfortable uh, for the rest of the run. And I hope you have your nutrition, your hydration nearby, or prepared to go to it if you need to along the way. So, Lauren, I mean, there's so many different directions we could take this conversation. And being both busy moms, we have got we have got a time cap on this conversation. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> we have dinner in bath and bath. Oh yeah, what times? What times that dinner and bath routine for you guys?
1: Oh, about six. Well, dinner is usually 530. We have dinner as a family most nights. We're really lucky to do that. That's kind of a thing that we've prioritized and then bath about six and then books in bed about 630 or seven if we're lucky. They get up really early. So kind of go to bed early
0: you are in Bruny Island and I'm in the Dandong Ranges. So I don't know who normally it's very obviously me who's at fault with bad reception, but I reckon you've got a little bit of a chance, but being locked onto you.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'll I'll take it. I I tried to back up as much as I could, but yes, I'm down on Bruny Island. So you never know. Um, and a storm is kind of rolling in, which is nice. There's pitter patter on the roof. I'm sitting in a shears, uh, quarters, an old shears quarters, which is kind of fun. It's my new office. Do you know, last time that I saw
0: you in the flesh, you were in the pack-up mode. Um, You were going from, I feel like you were going from one place to the next. It was your apartment in Bondi and I went out for a walk with Jonesy and then you and I did our separate walk and we went and got a glass of champagne um, on the um, (laughs) foreshore. I love how I went for a walk with Jonesy and then you and I had a champagne. We did it so well.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But tell me, tell me what your last six months have been like because I feel like you've had significant shifts on multiple fronts of your life and you know I know a lot of people have had shifts because of you know COVID and all this kind of disruption but you've chosen some disruption and some significant life changes so can you share that with us?
1: Yes. So yes, we did choose them on one element and then we didn't choose it on another, just as many of us haven't because of COVID. So I guess it's more of the last 12 months now, which seems crazy, but um, we were supposed to move to the U.S. um, really for Justin's work last year in July. And so what is that? July 2020. I don't even know what year it is. Um, And that had been kind of We're not big on five-year planning, but we kind of did this thing where we're like, where do we want our life to go in like a very broad brush brush stroke? Kind of after we um, had our little family adventure, um, we were like, all right, what's next for us and what kind of life are we going to choose and not just kind of have chosen for us? And we kind of, Justin really wanted to experience the U.S. because I've lived in Australia for um, 14 years almost now, and he's always up for an adventure. So we were going to do a little stint in the U S, uh, go to Europe for six months to a year. And then within that time, learn to sail and sail back from Europe to Australia. And there was work elements along the way. Um, and at the time. we had just had our second daughter uh, when COVID hit and she was three months old. So actually for the first time I had pretty much pulled out of my career because the first time I tried to kind of do it all with Morgan when I had her and was trying to run an independent consulting career and maintain this whole identity as this career woman. And I pretty much crashed and burned. That's another conversation. So this time I was like, I am just going to take a year and kind of, you know, really dive into this motherhood and the newborn thing and not put the stress on myself. Then COVID hit. Sam, you know this, more than many, um, Justin's industry shut down because he gets a lot of most of our income through keynote speaking, even though that's not necessarily what he does. That's where his income comes from, as you do too. So that was pretty crazy. And unlike a lot of industries when it shut down, it shut down early and it's still not back. So um, that was a huge pivot and I'm very triggered by financial insecurity. It's probably why 20 years ago I became a certified public accountant, not because I love it (laughs) or I should have done it, but because it was stable. (laughs) So I definitely um, am more comfortable in stable and known and, the perfection kind of realm. And so this journey has really been to that other realm. So when that happened, we had to look and we're like, could we still move? And as the months went by, that opportunity just really closed. But by June, when we even had a house and like, you know, there was filming stuff and it was just gone. And I think, I'm actually really proud of us. We I was looking to get back into full-time work and that was a big thing having a three-month-old and I had this big interview and there was like I don't know 20 people and I got down to the top two and it was for this big corporate job and I was kind of putting my toe back in the water of could I do this or not and um, it was either going to go one of two ways and it was a very big sliding door moment either I kind of go back into this world and I was feeling very uncomfortable with it But at the same time, the financial security was nice, given what we were looking at, or we were going to basically take a very um, shitty year and make an adventure out of it. And pretty much I decided last minute that the corporate thing really didn't fully align with me in that way. Like it was very office and really kind of, I think I had evolved from that um, more than I had realized and, um, and ultimately I came down to the top two and I didn't get it. And when they said I didn't get it, it was like, thank God. And I think cause f- the responsible person to me was like, if I get it, I'll take it. Cause we need money. And it goes against actually a lot of what the Jonesy's, you know, what, what that you don't have to kind of fit into this box. But of course we all have to, you know, Um, figure out what's best for our family. But I think the reaction when, oh my gosh, I didn't get it and I was relieved, basically we enacted the plan that we both felt aligned with, which was move to an island down in Tasmania and um, basically live farm life. So we moved to a 600 acre sheep farm um, and we are now down here. So it's on Bruni Island, just, I don't know um, if you've been here, but about a half an hour south of Hobart, and then you take a ferry. So it's pretty remote. There's only about 600 people that live on the island. There's one pub and one general store about 40 minutes away. So really it's very farm life, which is an adventure for us city slickers. I love what – sorry, the printer is going again. I'm making a joke
0: that my husband's printing his book off one, one
1: page at a time really slowly.
0: I, I adore you guys. I adore what you stand for, but I also, I adore the no bullshit, realistic um, reality that. As your friend, I get privy to, but also you in particular share that through your account, follow the Jonesies. Um, I also really love that you kind of own that you're not these like, you know, natural farmers. And the other day you sent me a text when you were trying to go out for your long run of the pigs, like had escaped the pen, and because they know that Jonesy wants to eat them, they didn't want to do what he was saying. So tell me what it has been like trying to, because you're still working, so it's not like you've just completely immersed into this farm life. You know, the two of you are very high-achieving, driven individuals, and so you're still trying to wear lots of hats. But the kind of professional career has pivoted a bit more into your hands right now, and Jonesy is, you know, doing a bit more of the stay-at-home dad whilst nighttime hustling into his career.
1: How has it been for the both of you? Um, I think on... I'll dive into kind of maybe, I guess on the farm side, it's great. Like, I love it, it really has been an adventure because I've always lived in cities. So we have free range chickens. Like, literally before this podcast, I had to put the chickens in, feed the pigs. We don't know what the hell we're doing. Yes, the pigs love me, are terrified of Justin, and I'm trying to keep them as pets, but they're going to grow to, like, 600 kilos and allegedly eat the children. I don't know, but they are so sweet. I've I've never (laughs) had pigs as pets, Um, but they're growing quite quickly. Um, And, yes, I'll get into the pig story about when I finally did my long run and was putting it off. I think I did it, like, four weeks after the... Um, official end and we can get into when everything doesn't, you know, go to plan to not give up because that's definitely my motto. Um, But I think the biggest shift for us has been Justin has taken the full-time parenting role. And even though we've always, just like you and Mark, are very hands-on, he still was up on stage and he was Justin Jones and another page of Mark's book. Oh, God, Uh, this is going to be so annoying. (laughs) Versus when we had Morgan, I really, one of the reasons we did the Outback Trek, I don't know um, if, I don't know if, I, for, for anybody that doesn't know, on a very random, um, well, actually a, a date night that we had too much wine, we decided to walk halfway across Australia with our one-year-old to kind of prove to ourselves that we could, for, for various reasons, and um and so, but because, but I was wanting to do that, you know, you kind of make big changes when really hard things happen or like you need to, you need to pull yourself out of that. And that for me was that, cause I really had defined myself externally on my career. Um, so my journey for the last four years is to not care about that as much, um, versus I'm seeing Justin kind of face that right now, cause I literally will walk in, um, so I am working now full time, but I work, it's, and that's another fun thing. When one door closes another opens, like it was such a big deal to give up that big corporate offer, even though I didn't get the offer, but even to be selected was like, oh, I'm valued. But that was kind of my own, my old lens that I needed to be the head of X at a corporate to be valued. And I think I realized that in the moment. But now I work for this really cool B Corp brand agency who does sustainability, brand purpose, and impact specialists. So it's super aligned. I work in a shearing shed. I literally have yoga pants on, you know, have no makeup when I have all these meetings with really amazing people. So the the things couldn't have fallen more perfectly and aligned, which is funny because you have to let other things go. But with Justin, he really, um, I walk in and he's like, I've lost my identity. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) I don't know who I am. (laughs) Because speaking is done, adventure is stopped, you know, all these things. And he's full time parenting. So I think we're really playing with these roles. But then he has these experiences that how many dads get to be full time with their kids and really take that hands on role. So I think that has been the biggest shift. For us as a couple is really we've shifted again and we always shift in those dynamics like we've always been very equal co-parents but this is a pretty big shift for us so I think the farming's been easy amidst the the parenting you know juggle (laughs) so it doesn't matter where you are really
0: I mean, I can relate, as you said, like Mark and I very much co-parent and then there's moments when one or the other person becomes the focus in terms of their professional career versus like their role as the parent. Like they're still very present as a parent, but their career, which does connect to a degree of public spotlighting, shines a bit brighter. Um, And I'm really interested, did you find that you had empathy for uh, Jonesy in his feelings of loss of identity because you have been there with Morgan, your first child, or was it
1: kind of like, ha, 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 finally you know what it's like? <laughs> uh, uh, probably a bit of both, like, but not that I like to see him struggle, but just because, you know, I struggled so much in that first um, six months of Morgan's life up until, you know, kind of the decision to do the Outback Trek. And and I saw that as a weakness in myself. Like, why can't I do this all? Why can't I be the same person I am career-wise and be the best mother and kind of nail all these things? So I was really hard on myself. Yet, when you look at someone else, you see them in their truest sense sometimes. And like, Justin's crossed Antarctica he's kayaked from Australia to New Zealand like he's done hard things he can do hard things yet this is hard for him so that if i do have a it feel good moment it's because you know if he was sailing through it i would have um been like oh why did i struggle so much but to see him struggle makes me you know, feel a little bit better about all of our parenthood struggles. Like it's it's not easy to chase your passions and raise children and also have societal pressure to do it all and be it all.
0: I'm just looking through my phone right now at my last conversations with Jonesy and it was when he was sending me the progress of the cake that he was yeah. making for Morgan's birthday and it was out of this world! Like I was like, you are nailing it, Daddy. And he was like, "This is my first step." And look, and I'm like, "Mate, that, that cannelloni!" And I couldn't believe it. I mean, he really does nail everything that he puts his mind to in his own particular quirky way. Let's go to the outback trip because. You know, like obviously you've partnered with someone who is a professional adventurer, um, a uniquely professional adventurer, um, definitely someone that connects with a lot of people because it's not like Jonesy has, you know, shows that he's infallible as an athlete. He definitely, in my mind, he's an adventurer. Like he learns the craft from the beginning to the end, specific to the adventures that he wants to tackle on. But you guys as a family unit decided to, not just the two of you put yourself in a really unknown scenario of hiking across the Australian outback, but you thought, well, we don't want to be away from our daughter and we want to share this experience with her. Let's take her along. I I want to know why you chose to go as a family to no doubt there was some interesting feedback at the concept of you going across the outback with your daughter and maybe just a little bit of what that experience actually was like outside of the planning and in the very moment of it.
1: Yeah I mean like I said we made this choice to do it and it probably was because you know I either hit maybe a I felt like I, yeah, I I crumbled, you know, I, I couldn't do it all and be it all. And I think who can, but there's this expectation on women, especially when you have kids later in life, you know, you've built your career up and also you're old enough that you should be able to handle it. Um, but it, it, I really kind of lost my identity when I lost that corporate side of myself. So I think we both had different reasons of why we wanted to go, but Um, Before we had Morgan, Justin wanted to walk across Australia um, just because he wanted he's done these amazing adventures outside of Australia. And for him, that was a way to know the heart of Australia and to really kind of connect with his Australian adventurous side. Um, and so he was going to do that before we had kids. And then that didn't happen because other things came up. And when we had Morgan and I was fully supportive of that, but it would have taken four months or five months. And when we had Morgan, you start to see how much they change every week or every month. And all of a sudden he didn't want to go, you know? Um, and also I think a big, I I was struggling with losing my, Corporate identity, and really, you know, I was externally motivated by societal's like awards they give you, whatever those awards are—good parent, good mama, working mother, whatever, um, whatever it is on the day, right? But he was really lost, where he's like, I have this amazing thing I do, which is adventure, and do things that are impossible, just because I love seeing what's on the other side of the hill, and I have a young family does that mean I have to give up one or the other? And he jokes about it, but I think it's true. I don't know. I'm not really in your space, but there's a really high rate of divorce and adventure. Um, because like the man will go off and do these things. And especially with what he does, you know, they're life or death things they're, you know, crossing, um, from Australia to New Zealand in a kayak, people have tried it and died. So you also have that element in there. So I think he was struggling with that. And on our first date night, um, after Morgan was born, I think she was about three months old, we had too much wine and he was really struggling with, do I go or do I not go? I can't leave her. And I was, I was struggling with probably needing to find my own identity outside of external validation. And I just said, well, why don't we do it together? And why don't we do, is it a family? Because that seemed like creating this life as a family or with young children was something we were trying to figure out how to do in our own way. So that was the adventure. You know, how far we walked or where we walked exactly was kind of less of the goal.
0: I mean, that's the thing. When you become a parent, it's, that is on its own already an adventure. And the question is, how do you still retain part of you in this new mould? And I think every parent goes through it. Uh, and just obviously you've taken a different direction of how you've discovered how you want a parent and how you can connect your loves and passions that you had pre-parenthood. Um, you know, because there's a lot of people who go, that was a part of my past life. Like I can't take that time. I can't take that commitment. I see it as selfish or society sees it as selfish. And, you know, some people will say you can't have it all because the priority needs to be a child. And so there's like all these different things that are playing around. There's no right, there's no wrong. At the end of the day, you've just got to – I think you've got to explore. And sometimes it's like with running and your training program – you don't know what your pace is unless you try different paces. You don't know how far you can go until you push the boundaries, um, until you get the stitch and you have to work. And I think that's the same thing with finding yourselves in a different phase of your life. You have to test the boundaries in order to know where you want to go to. So tell me what, I mean, there's so much we could talk about the preparation, but let's kind of just go to the experience because I think, you know, people will look at what you've done and obviously there's a documentary and I'll I'll put the link up for people to be able to watch it if it's available. Um, But I think a lot of people will glamorise the idea about it and I'm sure there was glamorous moments in terms of an adventure sense. But, like, what is that? what is the mechanics like on a day-to-day basis where it's quite logistical even though the forward motion is just one foot at a time?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was in your world, I guess, of ultra stuff. It, those are very, if you have a specific race, that's a very like structured event, right? Um, so this was our own unstructured event where we set the parameters. So for us, we decided to walk halfway across Australia. So we started in roughly the center and we walked 1,600 Ks to um, to South Australia, um, to the coast. And I think for We both had a different sense of why we wanted to do it. For me, I wanted to be out in nature with our family, having some really unique time, and then also really understanding myself as a human, like not for anyone else. So I didn't want to do it with anyone else either. Like I didn't want a support team, but I wanted us to be safe. So we decided to do it, you know, an unsupported by anybody else trip. But we did have, you know, we had a sat phone, And we did some food drops and we would stop in at a small town if we um, went by one or an indigenous town or a huge cattle station. So that became, you know, color in the tapestry of this trip. But, yeah, we walked about 20 Ks a day. It was hard and shitty many times. I think the first six weeks were just all I can say is it was like pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. And if you're running right now and this is massively out of your comfort zone, like it's amazing what you tell yourself you can't do and how much your brain starts to play in that until you just surprise yourself or you do something. Like the first five Ks of walking 1,600 kilometers was so hard. I think it took us like three hours because things broke and Morgan needed a snack and she didn't want to stay in the cart and Physically, I was adjusting, you know, like I had never done anything like this. Like walking 20 Ks a day sounds ridiculous considering, you know, on this run, I had never like, I'm not a runner. So 20 Ks of running felt like another extreme, but I see these now as more mental hurdles than physical hurdles. Like it was a mental hurdle to take that first step and to get through that first week and to get to that first checkpoint. And there was a lot of points in between, but there was one really strong point where I felt like Justin had been pulling us emotionally for the first week. And I was almost, like, blaming him for being out there in some ways, where I was like, <laughs> why are we out here? Even though I chose to do it, you know, like, and you're in this dynamic of a couple. Um, and then we, the axle broke and, like, it was almost trip off unless we really, like, it would have been a very easy time to just, you know, we hadn't planned for that. Um and I think at that moment, I realized I want this, I've trained for this, and what I'm fighting for is a unique life experience to find out what I'm capable of. I didn't really care, you know, where we walked, if we made it the exact distance or in the exact path. I didn't even know kind of exactly how it was going to go. And there was twists and turns along the way. But ultimately, my goal was to stick into it, to see who I was in times of challenge. And I think people like you and Justin really inspired me to do that because I never realized why people would do big things that hurt. Like life can hurt enough. Why would you put yourself in that pain zone? And I think I had seen it only through a typical male lens where they were trying to win or be the fastest, but it was kind of female adventures. And also Justin's a very emotional adventure. Um, It's about self-discovery and really knowing yourself and pushing your own limits. And I think that was the thing that was really exciting to me. And that's the thing why I started, you know, Her Trails, because my own limit was I wasn't a runner. And my own physical limit was I had never run more than 12Ks. I've walked a lot, but never run. And I feel wobbly and jiggly and weird and... But I live in this beautiful, natural place with trails and I love nature and I love putting on shoes and just going out and feeling fit and active. So those were the things that kind of drove me in really in both of these pursuits, even though they're very different, are kind of similar.
0: No, but they're, they are the same in terms of the concept of what it takes your mind to go there because they 're both unfamiliar, unknown spaces, we all have these mental blocks about the things that we do do and the things that either are very hard for us or associated to pain or we 're not good at because someone's told us that in the past, for example, today I was at the gym, and my trainer said, "I want you to jump over um the what 's the word um the box like the when you do a I should, this shows how, how foreign this is to me. Um, Like when you jump up on a box and you kind of do a squat (laughs) up in the air. But she said to me, I want you to literally just jump completely over the box. And I was like, there's, I'm like my shins. I have no vertical jump. I'm like four foot 11.5. And the first few times I did it or tried to do it, I got like, I did my little run up and I like... Got so close, I'm like, I can't do it. And then I would like literally psych myself up. I was like, the, you know, the, I am willing. I am willing. I can do this. And so there was so much determination. And then there was just so much fear. Now we had to kind of regress it back. And so we ended up just getting, um, kind of the bench. And then I just jumped over the bench because it was not as wide. And so I would just jump over and jump over. And then we put a, a stacked up a bunch of plates to make it a bit wider. And then I would jump over that. But I still would kind of hit the point where every now and again, but then I could see how easily I did it when I just let myself be. And I was like, oh my gosh, like it was a really prime example of like where our mind will cut our physical capacity to do what it can probably quite naturally do, you know, jump over an obstacle. And the amount of space that I had had free from when I jumped was clear, like I could have probably done it a bit higher. But it's the same in every aspect of life. You know, you see someone so capable, you know, as an ultra runner or as a high jumper or as whatever it is, but we all have certain limiting narratives in a certain aspect of our lives. And it's, you know, sometimes like you only know that you're playing it safe when you're not getting that feeling. And so it's like a little trigger, like if everything seems easy and like it's great, we want to feel the ease, we want to feel safe, but there gets to be this point that if you don't start like pushing that boundary you're probably not making, like, growth in your personal and professional life and, of course, like a part of us as human beings is, like, that, that aspect of evolution. Um, and so I love that you've... The stories that you would have had to tell yourself on a daily basis to get through all the hurdles, the ones that you prepared for and then the hurdles that you would have had no idea would possibly
1: have been a reality for you guys. Well, and, and there's a lot of resistance, I think. Well, it was funny. I was listening to a podcast that we know and love on a run. I did, I think, actually today. And they said that, you know, that resistance is that thing when you're going outside of your known comfort zone. And that could be writing a book. That could be, you know, doing your first 20-minute run. That could be going in the output. That could be having kids. And every single person has the, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. You know, like, it's, it's a thought that, like, we, we make it about ourselves and it's our thought, but it's actually just a human thought to keep us protected. And, and I have to say, I tend to want to stay safe. You know, I also want to keep my kids safe. Um, I don't necessarily have that urge to do big, you know, things, but I have the urge to find my capacity and grow. And you're right, safety um, doesn't allow you to grow. And if we don't allow ourselves to try, you'll never know what else you could do, you know, like, um, at the end of, you know, the this program for me, for me, the 20Ks for I did 20 because it was this loop that was really big in my head. But at the end of the 20Ks, for me, it was you know, one getting over that 12K first, it was getting over the hour milestone that was a big one mental hurdle, and then it was getting over the 12K milestone. And so the 20Ks was just like, all right, now, now where you know, and um. So I think that for me was a really fun thing. Also, I remember a mindset shift after we got back from the outback. So we walked about 20, sometimes 30 Ks a day when we got, after six weeks, we really got into our groove. And I remember we got back to Sydney after we had been out there. It took us 102 days. So we had really been out, like literally carrying everything, camping, you know, um, through 42 degrees sometimes zero degrees or negative two degrees so we'd really been you know in this element and then I remember I got back to the city and it felt very overwhelming and Justin's like oh let's go visit my brother in Canberra and um and he was like um you know it's about 200 and something kilometers and I was like oh we could walk that Like, I mean, it was a weird, like my mind went to, I could walk that in 20 days and that would take me a week or whatever. And it was like the first thing where I was like, holy shit, I just actually thought about walking to Canberra. I mean, I'm not going to do it, but my mind had jumped so far to be like, oh, 200 Ks, that'll take me whatever, or that's just another chunk. But I think back to our point and probably what's relevant for the group that's listening is like that first step is such a hard step, especially if you are, you want to know exactly what the path will look like, or you want to be guaranteed success. And that's the shitty part when you're doing something really unknown for yourself or things like, you know, you and Justin do, which is unknown (laughs) in the human world. Like people haven't done these things before. Um, That step is um, so challenging. And I think, I don't know if you have any advice. I don't have any much advice other than to to just 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 to acknowledge that it's really hard. And the steps after that seem to get easier when they take momentum, but that first step and sometimes that first week I find I need a lot of support around continuing on cuz that's when the mindset is the hardest or the naysayers seem the loudest. Like I remember I haven't shared this much and I won't get into it t- too much, but when I met Justin, he's this big adventurer, and there was somebody very close to him in his life that basically was like, like, I know that type of girl, and she's not really worth getting to know because she is a city girl in Bondi, and I really have nothing in common with her. Like, I'm this elite athlete or whatever. And that really... To be judged like that by somebody that was very close to Justin, to not even want to get to know me because of my perceived life, um, was very confronting. And those people, when you do something new, can stick in your head. But I think deep down, I'm not an ultra-athlete, even though you know my husband is. That's not something that I ever cared about. But I also knew there was a lot more to me that I hadn't stepped up into. Yet, and I think that driver was for me to find out what that was, but it was amazing how, in the moment of stepping into a new place, those naysayers um, who want to put you in a box can easily be loud, and you can easily not take that first step because you're like, "Well, who am I to do that? I'm not an adventurer, I'm not a runner, I'm not a you know fill in the blank." So I really struggled with that through that journey.
0: I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure that I know who you're talking about. And um, what's disappointing is you would hope someone who has an adventurous background through experience would be more open-minded. But the reality is people can be judgmental humans from any walk of life and a part of life is working out how to deal with the critics, the external ones, and then the critics that we have within our own heads and sometimes the ones that we have within our own heads are formed based on the external critics and sometimes they're completely internal of our own thoughts and processes from the makeup of how we've been born and the things that we've done and been exposed to um, and just what our natural strengths or weaknesses may be and it's just so interesting also because we form our partners not necessarily because they are carbon copies of who we are but because of another quality that we share values and values don't have to be aligned based on you're an ultra runner, therefore I'm going to find someone else who's exactly an ultra runner. Um, It's just, you know, it doesn't work that way. And I'm, well, Jonesy obviously is not the kind of person to ever be um, heavily influenced by a person, but also was that fuel in the fire? Like, do you find that you are fueled by criticism or are you fueled more by internal drive?
1: Mm, Probably internal drive. I think the criticism hurt just because I didn't like to be put in a box, you know, like I'm a corporate girl that works in or lives in the city and therefore I'm not adventurous or I'm not adventurous enough. Um, Even though I didn't define myself that way, I don't know. I think, I think it affected me and it hurt, but it didn't motivate me. What motivated me was um, to live. I guess I, I was attracted to Justin because he was so open, you know, like adventure was just everything was on the table. And I think um, he helped me realize that you could kind of build any life that you want to. But you do have to get outside of your comfort zone, and that whether that's financially or physically or whatever, um, so I think for me, if I had a motivation, it would be to understand him more, like why does he do these things? you know like he's such an amazing human and and so that would have been an external motivation, but I think I'm mostly motivated by um, my own self growth and to see you know, to show up in the world authentically. That's probably like, I mean, like even in her trails, I I was thinking I would hate this if I was in a a half a marathon with a lot of people cheering or around me or whatever. And I loved it that I was by myself. I probably stopped way too much for snacks and to look at nature and baby lambs and whatever, because it was lambing season. (laughs) But I love just that freedom of being on my own for my own reasons. And I think that's – I've discovered as I got older that's a very happy place for me is just following my own joy and setting out my own path because I, th- I think when I get too close to the other side, I fall too easily into it, if that makes sense. Like, I think it's my natural, like – if I was doing a run – With a lot of other people, I would have pressures to do it a certain way or a certain pace versus this way, I could just do it for the joy of doing it. And I think that was my goal. Um, Signing up for this was to find joy in running. So that was, it was fun. I think it's a long, long circle, I probably was externally motivated, negatively and positively, up until probably the last seven years. And now I'm more internally motivated.
0: You're going to the beat of your own drum. And, you know, um, I think that's kind of how I think of adventure a lot more. I've really moved away from this perception of adventure as these big, grand, masculine-style adventures uh, into foreign lands that are very hard to get to. I mean, given the world that we live in right now, that's such a far-removed reality anyway. But I, I look at someone who might not even run or hike and I can see adventurous qualities in how they choose to live their life with growth mindset, open-mindedness, the way they choose to connect to nature or connect to their own spirit and most importantly as I said before go to the beat of their own drum. You know the way that they choose to experience their wild um and I think I've said in this podcast before but I like to define adventure as a journey with an unknown outcome um and I've always said that parenthood is actually the greatest adventure ever and the most scary one um because you never know what's happening in every single day it kind of gets flipped on its axis and you've got to kind of make you've got to problem solve constantly um all the time and that is one of the key characteristics of adventure as a whole um and, it's, and I guess with parenthood, like, you're kind of thrusted with this situation, you've got to problem solve. Like, you might not like the direction you go to, but you've got all these different things that you could do, and you've got to make a choice. And I think sometimes, you know, if there's mothers listening to this podcast right now, you should hold on to such um, regard, the fact that you do this in your everyday life, probably 50, 60 times. And so when it comes to being on the trails or working out what food you need to take on the trails or... Uh, managing and dealing and making decisions about the niggles that you might be experiencing with your body and how to self-manage it to preserve or when can you possibly extend the body like trial running and this program is constantly about making little micro decisions that allow us to take one step forward Um, and then sometimes taking one step forward means you need to take a sidestep and take a chill pill and relax and take a recovery day and that's what this program also is it's creating your own adventure Beck and I give a program. It's periodized. It's, you know, the way we schedule it is in a perfect dream scenario that's going to let you recover and build, but sometimes you're not going to get the perfect thing. And you said at the beginning of this podcast that your mantra is about not waiting for perfection to just get things done. So can you talk to me a bit about that and how that kind of
1: manifested Um, I mean, it's something that I literally have on my screen and probably have embraced since I've jumped out of the corporate track, which was very defined Mm. and also jumped onto the parenthood and, you know, a bit different, but it's not to let perfection stand in the way of progress. So a lot in my life, I would hold back because it wasn't perfect or known and I found myself holding myself back, whether that's to try a podcast or even to do keynote speaking like that was a huge fear for me and the main reason I did it was because i didn't I didn't want to um, shy away from an opportunity because I was holding myself back. Um, so I think that is very prevalent, but it's something that I naturally feel, so I have to keep front of center to work through like it's I'm not a natural let the wind just blow and we'll see where it takes me. I'm definitely like, oh God, I have to follow steps. So in this program, if I missed a day, I would get stuck into, okay, well then I'm going to go back and then do that. But then I'm going to be, you know, should I wait a week until Monday starts? And then I can go back and do that week exactly perfectly. So I had to really jump in and say, you know, consistency has always been a struggle for me, especially with kids. So look, by the end, if I was hitting five workouts instead of six, or they were doubling up in different days, or I went two weeks over and extended a week, who cares? Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was about me showing up for myself and, you know, doing this running loop that was 21 Ks or 20 point whatever. And that was you know, my mental hurdle, but not doing it perfectly is still a frustration for me. I hate not hitting every day, but I didn't hit, I didn't do a perfect week, I don't think. I don't think that I met that, but I did it and I enjoyed it and I grew from you and back and I really enjoy running and I'm really excited to see where this journey could go. Um, so, you know, it's an amazing thing to have structure but then flexibility within that structure. And I think the worst thing is if you skip a day or miss a day or two, it's just, you know, don't let that build up and have that be a reason to stop because that's where your mind starts to play tricks on you and it's to keep going. Um, But I'm really keen. And I know this isn't, I, I don't want to switch it back on you, but because you do what you do, Sam, what's your viewpoint on taking that first step and, or, After you hit a peak and Mm -hmm. then you take a break, sometimes it feels like you're starting from scratch again. Like even after this program, I was feeling really fit. Then I took two weeks off and now I'm like, oh, I'm back to ground zero. Where does your mind play in that? Do you have any tricks? Because I'm really curious about how you tackle that first step or getting back on the horse.
0: I think there's there's similar similar elements of starting, whether it's, for the very first time or after a break. But I think it's obviously far Mm. more actually they both can have intense potency in their own right because sometimes once you have done something then you've had a break, there's um, frustration to not be at where you were versus when you're starting something from the very first time you don't expect really anything for yourself um, because you don't know. Uh, but I think Mm. the first time is to very much, you know, we said in the podcast to be rooted in why you're doing it. Um, and I think when you leap into Mm. a program, I like to think that it takes a little bit of the work away from you to then have the structure to create freedom, you know, to not have to think about what my Mm -hmm. week should look like to have, I mean, I'm, I'm a lawyer by trade, so I've always, um, valued professionals in their space and I'm you know I love to delegate to professionals in parts of my business and I also love um professionals telling me what to do so I also have a coach yeah Um, I mean we work in professional services so we're kind of used to it all the time but for a lot of people there's like a controlling of But I need to know how it looks every single day and then the next week and the next week. And I'm just like, you know what? It's actually freeing for me to just be given this week. I know roughly what the structure is going to be like every single week, but to kind of go like, I'm just going to look at Tuesday. I know there's a workout in the morning and I'm just going to do what it is. Mm. And so getting started for me is working with the right people, someone that I trust Pretty immediately, based on their credibility um, and the way that I feel mm. when I interact with them, whether that's virtually on the phone, in person, that is a lot to me. Trust and faith in the providers yeah. that I work with or in anything um, ma- builds me with confidence to not question. Um, the moment I start to question mm. too much, that's when things can fall off and it's when other excuses yep. can start to build up. So, I think it's making sure you kind of, like, eliminate the excuses that you possibly can have. Uh, And then, like... I kind of do love trying new things now, even if it doesn't work out. And I I don't care so much about the end state. Like I'm actually not so fixated on the 21.1, if that was my goal. Mm. I really do mm. thrive in the process of new discoveries. So as I said, and I've worked out what the exercise was today, the box jumps. <laughs> um, that's not my goal. My goal is not to be able to jump mm. over a box jump. Um, it's something else. But to be able to do that, like, that was fun. Like, I had a little bit of fear. I didn't get it right. And then I got some of them right. And I was just like that. I was like, I kind of was like getting like adrenaline and dopamine. And it's why kids love the you know, the sparkly thing on the phone, because that's hitting your dopamine. And that's what mm. I feel when I try new things and, I, and inject different types of stimuli into my life. Um, and so that's the first thing I would say, like get ready for the play and the enjoyment and try not to take it too seriously. You know, don't get too stressed about mm. it. Like, you know, I, I feel like we have so much stress thrown at us, not of our choosing, that if we are going to embark on an experience to try and reduce the stress where we can and just find the light and the joy as much as we possibly can and you know it's not the end of the world like the world's not going to crash if I miss a session
1: like it's and really not really, I I've started to I wanted to use Strava a lot to kind of link into the group but I ended up not using it mm. a lot because I would get you know start to It would take away from that joy of just being out there. So when I didn't want to go and I had to do the watch and then this, and I'd forget it and just run. And I'd run on the beach a lot, even though that would slow me down because it was gorgeous. And another fun thing that um, from our group that I thought was really beautiful that any women out there running – You haven't gotten there yet. I don't know when this will air, but there's 15 hill sprints. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know if you're doing that. So like you work up to it and first there's like eight and you're like, oh man, that's really hard. And then 15 comes. You're like, oh shit. Um, And then so you like get in your head of like, oh, I don't want to do the hill sprint, so I'll do my run later, later. And then um, this one woman on, I forget her name, but she said that she would, every time she would run down the hill, she'd find a beautiful leaf. And then every time she'd run up the hill, she'd place it at the top. And so I started to do that because I just was doing the hill basically up to our house from the beach. And um, so it was just a beautiful way to kind of be present. You run down looking for a beautiful leaf. You run up to set the leaf at the top. And, you know, by the time you have 15 leaves, you're done versus Mm -hmm. like tracking it on your watch or whatever. Um, So I thought that was Finding those moments of joy in the beauty of where you are, I thought was versus like getting fixated on how fast am I going and what technology mm-hmm. am I using, even though that's interesting. And I think my next cycle, I'd like to delve into the intellectual understanding of that more. But just for me in that that space, it it took away from me just being there.
0: And, again, that's like know how you want to experience it, like create the parameters around the program that you've been given. Um, I It's interesting that you said, like, um, how do you get back after having a break? Uh, and a bigger thing for me is in my break time I don't wear a watch. Um, if people kind of follow me on Strava, like, you'll probably go, oh, she doesn't really record all the time. Um, it's because I don't always like to wear a watch. Um, when I am specifically training for something, I'll be on the watch a lot more um, because I need that data or I'll find it helpful or, you know, for whatever reason. But, I mean, after I ran across India, I don't think I wore a watch for like 16 months afterwards and it didn't mean that I wasn't running and it didn't mean at times I wasn't training but I wanted to just have it a lot more softer and play and I didn't want the watch and the watch actually doesn't give me stress but I actually hate sometimes that the watch wasn't charged and so ne- therefore I felt like oh I can't do the run because the watch is not charged <laughs> and then for ages I would just do it on my phone because I was just like I hated to wear something on my wrist I've actually got a very tiny wrist so I've actually recently just found a watch that kind of works very well for me which is the Coros watch but i, I got quite sore wrists from like wearing them way too long. Uh, And I think when you come back after having a break, like remind yourself that like a break is a replenishing, rejuvenating time for your mind and body. And we actually need it. We can't sustain a program 24-7. I mean, at least I don't like to. I think sometimes it's nice to kind of go, cool, I had a structured program. I gave it as much as I could. I gave consistency and now I'm going to break and then now I'm going to build to a new goal and it's going to look different. And yes, I'm starting at week one in, in a way, but it's a different week one because what you've created is like muscle memory and muscle experience and self-belief and all these types of things. So you haven't, you're not starting at ground zero. It's just a different type of baseline.
1: Yeah, that's really that's good to know. Cause I find myself even, you know, when I'm starting a run, if I haven't done two weeks, if I've taken two weeks off where I'm like, Oh God, I'm back to the start and I get in my head. So, um, I think having that mental mindset of joy and that you and play just, it always comes back to that for me. And, and knowing
0: that you've done it before should build confidence. Like you may not be as fast. It might feel a bit more challenging, but, You know, 12K is is your baseline now. Like you've routinely done a 12-kilometre run, you know, over the last 16 weeks. Um, So you know that in and out. Um, I mean, the program that Beck and I are working really hard on right now, which we hope to have out earlier, but it's such a, it's far more technical and specific programming, and you'd think it was actually a really easy program because it's a maintenance program. Um, But we're trying to sync it with a woman's hormonal phases and it's actually quite complicated because everyone's cycle is not a natural cycle or, or a normal cycle and we beck and i this morning were debating like oh we know technically the term is normal cycle Um, but, like, we hated the word normal because not everyone is 28 days. So we were like, okay, if we quotation it, because if people want to Google that word, then they'll have all the scientific evidence and and back up for it. Um, But maybe we should define it somewhere and going, just because you're not 28 days doesn't mean you're not normal. Um, Although, who wants to be normal anyway? Like, come on, we all want to be our own unique person. So that is a... This is something that Beck and I really love to do is we always love to up the ante based on what we feel people like, and that's why our partnership is so great because it's kind of always we bring to it a different level of experience and expertise, Um, and we love the discovery. We love crafting something from nothing, Um, and that's the same not just physically with our bodies but also mentally with our mind as well.
1: Hmm. And I think that's, yeah, it's, it's definitely, it gives you room to do that. Um, And it's an exciting journey. And I was, I felt very lucky to be a part of the first one.
0: Oh, we loved having you. Now, can I hear a bit about, like the? can we talk a bit about Antarctica? (laughs) (laughs) Who knows if we're doing it, but it's it's on the... This is, this is an interesting thing we're going to talk about right now, because... One thing that I do is I often declare things publicly when they're in very much their infancy. And a lot of times people go, I can't believe you just said it. And and I'm like, if you don't put it out, like even declaring it sometimes helps you understand like, "Mm, does this feel right? How do I feel when I've shared it with the world? Or, uh, you know, and like I think in my pre-Parenthood days, I would never say, I would never declare something unless I was a 100 and 80% determined that I was going to do it. And now I'm like, nah, like being a mom, like things, there's a lot more things have to be right for me to do something. But sometimes I don't know if they're going to be right unless I kind of test them and tease them out and try them and explore them. And so this is a process of testing and teasing and exploring them. So how about we just do it on this like public forum right now?
1: (laughs) Sounds good. I I am about, I think that's a huge part of stepping outside of your comfort zone and doing a big adventure i remember that for the outback just saying it even to yourself in the mirror or to a small group of people that were supportive or even to people that weren't and to be able to hold yourself in that space i think is really important so sure let's talk about it antarctica <laughs> you take um, it away lady because this is you <laughs> Well, I, I guess I, I was fueled. So I work in s- sustainability. Basically, you know, the world is changing quickly. And usually I work in work with boards and executive teams around, you know, they used to be really – they're really good at the financial stuff, but they don't understand the environmental and social impact as it potentially impacts their business. Or, you know, like people are wanting more from business, specifically that it doesn't, you know, ruin the earth or – um do it at the expense of people. So that's kind of the world I work in. But I think I was fueled by um, two things. One, protecting wild places is very important to me. Um, And Antarctica is one of the last, like, wild places. And... um, I think also with seeing all of the millionaires basically building rockets to go up to Mars when the world is really struggling and nature is, you know, (laughs) melting and not to get too heavy, but like our world needs us here um, at the moment. So I guess I really want to be present to that and help where I can. So um, I message Sam and I had a opportunity potentially to go down to Antarctica with the understanding that um that it really is under a global treaty until what is it 2041 I want to say um 4142 yeah and um Rob's i feel like we're joe rogan right now and we're like <laughs> yeah. we're researching what year is, it. can
0: we just can we just get our like sidekick to work it out Uh yeah. oh, please just work out 20, what is that 20, year? I know, yeah
1: exactly <laughs> all of our spare helpers here yeah because we have. <laughs> it's just us and <laughs> so much help yeah so, so, much, so much help <laughs> so much help i wish i had more help um <laughs> yeah, so it was the 2041 foundation so justin and i in our uh our pandemic pivot, we started a podcast called Adventure Thinking, which is talking to amazing humans and finding out how some people can achieve the impossible and come back better for it. Because everybody was going through this, like, what, what the hell are we doing? And also all these adventures were, you know, at home for the one time in their life and not off somewhere. So you could actually talk to them and kind of pick their reins. So that was a really fun experience. Um, But Rob Swan was one of the people that we talked to and he said that he has this foundation called 2041 and it's in the year 2041, the fate of Antarctica will be decided. Join us for the remainder of 20 years of our 50-year mission to preserve Antarctica as a natural reserve for science and peace. So basically it's important because when that point hits, if it's not preserved for science and peace, it'll be taken by whoever wants to take it to do whatever. And I think also if we don't change the trajectory of our world up into that point. There's no point, you know, like our our time is now to protect it for the next generation, whether you have kids or not, it's just, we have something here worth protecting. So I called Sam just because a big thing with me was if I do this, I want it to be aligned um, and connected. And I don't really know how all the pieces work, but I know you do a lot of things in your relief run and in your her trails movement, and where you are able to activate a group around something that matters. so that's kind of where our conversation is. and I don't know how that will look, but I think that passion for me is I think women adventures are really interesting as well, and not even like everybody who's running out there right now is a woman adventure, you know, like. A hundred percent. Also, if you have if you have had kids, and I know that not that's not right for everyone, but if you have had kids, you that's a huge adventure. Just physically, you know, carrying a child. I think women are just so. I think, uh, what's the word? Um, we are just such a, a. We have a grounded strength that I think we can hold challenge in a very present, authentic kind way. And I feel like women have an opportunity to step up in this moment. Um, And, and it would be, I, I don't know how to activate that, but I think protecting wild spaces and I think women just get this innate connection naturally to nature and I think all the women here who want to run on trails whether that be a park or you know a grassy side part of a sidewalk you have a desire to be in nature even in the city and I think there's something special about women and adventure and having this innate connection that can come together and I don't know how so that's that's as much as the idea has gone through and how can we activate that tribe you know to focus on the world and where it needs some help at the moment.
0: I mean, we have to consider ourselves as, I mean, women, children, men, like all of us need to think of ourselves as custodians of the land we are lucky enough to be on. Um, But I think as trail runners, which every single one of you are, um, we know how much benefit we get from being in these wild places and in nature and we have a responsibility, like the responsibility we have to our children to preserve this space because not only is it important for our children, but it's also important for us. Like we get so much by being into it. So there's, you can hit it on so many levels of why this is an important campaign, like for our children, for the legacy that we leave for them and our children's children, for ourselves, for the planet. Um, there's so many areas and, you know, Lauren and I will be exploring ways in which her trails could possibly be of support to this. Um, but obviously if there are women listening to this conversation right now and you have an interest um, in this style of expedition, in fundraising, in movement for change, specifically related to environmental sustainability and advocacy in this space, we're very open to hearing um, your thoughts and ideas. And this is a brainstorming stage. So any idea is a great idea and welcomed and um whether it's small, little, whatever it is, because I always think when you declare something like this in a very early infancy of of the time of it, there's a great opportunity for to grow into something that means something to a collective versus the individual. Um, and that's kind of where I think the power of it lies. And I'm so, like, honoured that you shared this idea with me and I'm also honoured that you think Her Trials could be a space where we could do something cool. But... um. TBC, everyone, when Lauren and I can sit down for a proper window and have a conversation about it, we'll, we'll work on it further.
1: We will. Yeah, and and I think, yeah, it's we don't know how that will look or when that will be, but I think that's the fun part about, you know, the intention is clear. I think we all feel that connection to nature and, you know – wanting to protect it and it is our mother you know in many ways and I think as women we have that mothering instinct to some extent um and just like you said everybody needs to be in that mindset but protecting the places we play in and that our kids could play in um I think is really important (laughs) well we all learned when we got stuck inside for way too long I was just gonna say that yeah yeah
0: like how how did it impact our mobility, our physicality, um, meaning not just mobility, but also like the spaces we could go, but also our mental health. So, you know, the world could end up that way, not by a pandemic, but what we do to our, you know, environment.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, people all of a sudden were out in nature and valued that 20 minutes or 30 minutes of essential, you know, walking and breathing. And I think hopefully that, people understanding that that has a significant value. That is one thing I hope we don't lose out of this pandemic when things go back to quote unquote normal. I hope they don't go back to normal in how we take for granted our natural spaces. So I would love to talk more about that to you, Sam, and this tribe and see how we can activate it to, um, yeah, keep our places wild so that we can be wild in them.
0: Oh, I like that. That's Can we get that on a t-shirt? I think that's a new slogan.
1: Sure. Oh my gosh. I'll
0: make it happen. Don't worry. I'll make it happen. (laughs) (laughs) And there'll be like LJ on the bottom, LJ. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Now I want to honor your time. And I know that we're three minutes off the time that you said you needed to end at because you've got your um, end of night routine. Lauren, like, as I said, in this podcast, like I adore you and I, I also adore how our friendship has evolved over the years, completely separate to the person who connected us together as well. Um, I love that I'll either call you and it's for a conversation with you, or I'll call Jonesy and it's a conversation for him, and they're two unique relationships, and that's just so nice to, you know, to have that in my life.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And I think it's been fun how we've grown in, like, you know, having similarities and differences. But I look up to you. you. You do so many things. I don't know how you juggle them all, but I think there's a joy in seeing women shine. And I love I love it, you know, how you bring that shine to the space. And I've loved seeing you evolve as a mom, too. Because when we did the Outback, I remember you were just about to... Like, I think you're just in the early stages of even being pregnant and to see you evolving, you know, with Harry and Mark, it's really lovely and still living, doing you in your own way and killing it. I know it doesn't always feel that way, but I'm, I think you're doing amazing. So I appreciate Aww, as there's as well.
0: Lots of- Lots of womanhood respect mutually, my dear. Well, let's um, tend to our children. I know. So we can tend to our that. wild spaces once they go to bed. <laughs> um, send send love and hugs to the family, I and um, I look forward to catching up offline, online. Considering we can't be together in the real life for a
1: little bit longer, and um, yeah, hugs and love. Well, now maybe that your lockdown's over you guys can come down or maybe we can come up or who knows but yes virtually until we can physically be I hope Mark prints out the rest of his novel um, now that we (laughs) have and give Perry a hug and tell them hi and it was lovely to chat with everyone I hope everyone has an amazing run and a great program